Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and others, welcome back to another Makaro Commodity Update. This week we're covering off on all of our main commodities, livestock, grains, and wool. We're just going to jump straight into the grain market. The big ticket item for the last week was the release of the US Department of Agriculture's WASTE report. That stands for the World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates. Wasn't many surprises and weren't really expect many surprises. When it gets to this point of the year, everything is really, it's a known certainty of what has happened to last year's crops. So it's just really a lot of tinkering around the edges when it comes to things like exports and uh, really what we're looking at closely is that sort of end stocks and end stocks for the year globally before we come into the next uh, the marketing season were increased by 5 million tons to about 275 million tons and that puts us down around about 6 million tons versus the previous year that sounds like we've had a big drop year on year but in reality we are still sitting at the second highest global stocks of wheat one thing to remember though is that those stocks around about 50% or more are held within China which largely will not be available to the rest of the world. Looking looking at uh, futures prices we've really been trading in a very narrow range around about that sort of 249 to 256 uh, Aussie dollar for the December contract since the start of April and and when we look at the spot contract we're really looking at the market really trading along the bottom of the expected range we would expect for this time of year. So we, we wrote a report uh, early on this week looking at things like the uh, Chicago volatility and the seasonality of the contract and and yet it's, it's pretty low the contract level when we compare it over the last 10 years and uh, what we really need is something to go wrong in the northern hemisphere. Uh, without something going wrong we would expect prices to, to remain quite uh, depressed. But largely, our prices are at present, because of the drought, are really immune to the, the overseas factors. Uh, so what we really need is uh, you know, for these prices to remain where they are, with uh, especially on the old crop, we'll need uh, sort of poor conditions to continue. It's still way too early to say that we're going to have a bad season. There's plenty of commentators out there saying, oh, it's all doom and gloom. But as you know, I'm, I'm a very positive person, and uh, let's hope that we get a good season. Because I would rather see you know a drop in prices than and have something to sell than high prices with nothing to sell. So I'm going to pass you off to Matt, and he's going to cover off on the meat market. Yeah, thanks for that, Andrew. Well, in, in this week uh, in livestock, we looked at uh, exports for both beef and sheep. Um, and look, the real story this week was all about China to a degree. Uh, if we start with beef, um, we saw uh, for the for the quarter, um, beef exports in total out of Australia are up 11.5% on the um, 2018 levels. Um, but what's really interesting and what's driving that, that growth in beef exports is really the uh, demand coming out of China. Um, if, you, if you look at that in particular, the, the, the Australian beef exports to China, we've seen an increase uh, of 80% above the five-year trend for this first quarter. So really significant growth there. And uh, a piece that uh, Angus looked at just um, uh, later in the week, this week, uh, the flow-through from that extra demand from China is um, that we're seeing it uh, really reflected in some of these beef uh, export prices, and in particular, uh, the beef prices for some of the, the cheaper cuts in the grinding beef, uh, which is where um, that kind of Chinese demand flows into, uh, as opposed to those uh, much more expensive primal cuts that are, that are heading into the high-end markets of Japan and Korea. Now, if we move across to sheep, a similar story as well, um, with uh, looking at the quarter flows of uh, lamb exports, firstly, um, we're seeing 20% higher flows above the five-year trend uh, for this year and, and we're about 12% higher than 2018 for this first quarter. 
Uh, and for mutton, similar scenario, 11% higher than the five-year trend and 19% um, and above the uh, the levels from 2018. And what's really interesting, again, with that mutton flow is is the growth in this demand uh, for mutton, particularly out of China, um, which is up 85% for this quarter uh, compared to um, previous years. So, um, And what's really driving uh, this flow of mutton into China and, and indeed beef into China is the... Um, the African uh, swine flu. So we're hearing reports of up to a million head of, uh, of pig being slaughtered uh, due to this swine flu in China. Now that's um, some some market pundits are saying that 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 estimates um, on the low side. And, and certainly um, in terms of the impact on pig production in China, have heard reports of uh, of reductions in production by up to 30%. And obviously the um, the demand there for then alternative meat products is seeming to flow through to uh, our beef and sheep exports. Um, I guess an interesting fact uh, looking forward into the next five years is um, something we looked at on Mercado this week in uh, in one of our articles on, on, on sheep uh, export flows. Uh, was the, um, the the projection as as we sit now to or 2018 there was um, 12 and a half million households in China that were earning over 35,000 US uh, per annum. Uh, now that's that that 35,000 threshold is is um, significant because that's what's considered to be entering into middle class uh, wealth. So you've got 12 and a half million Chinese households currently that are you know, or earning above that level and, and at least at a middle, cl- middle class income uh, wealth level. Uh, the projection for the next five years is we're going to see that number of 12.5 million jump to 27.3 million. So over a doubling of, um, of wealthy middle class Chinese. And, and that's going to flow through in the next few years to increased appetite for a whole range of consumer goods. And, and one of those in particular will be uh, red meat product. And, and we know already that the Chinese have got a real taste and an appetite for the quality that you get out of Australia for both beef and, and sheep export products. So um, it, it, you know, the longer term picture really paints a, a good one for Australia heading, heading, heading into the future. And that's about it, Andrew. Thanks. That's a good summary of what's happening in the, the meat markets. And uh, now we're going to go on to Olivia, who's going to give us an update on the wool markets. Thanks very much, Andrew. So crossbreds are the talk of the market at the moment. This is the fourth week in a row where crossbred prices have risen and defied the wider market trend. In comparison, the eastern market indicators fallen now for the last seven weeks in a row. But crossbred prices have definitely been lending support to stop the falls from being even more significant. Even though it's the last few weeks where crossbred prices have really taken their jump, they've been on a pretty good run since late 2018. Of course, crossbred sector has been benefiting from lack of the supply in the same way as the merino market has. But there was an interesting report out of the ABC this week which has added a bit more to the story, in that exporters are saying there's been really strong demand in China for a fake fur fabric made out of crossbred wool over the last season. So apparently these big heavy winter coats that imitate fur have been the must-have fashion piece in China and we're seeing the results of that consumer trend reflected back in the market here. And what's also played part in the strength of crossbred prices is that back in 2018 crossbred wool was really cheap in comparison to merino wools. So just for reference, when we talk about crossbreds, it's covering 20 to 38 micron fibres and merino fleece runs from 13 to 24. So if we take 28 micron as an indicator of crossbred wool, it was trading at about one third of the price of broad 21 micron merino fleece in late 2018. 
which was really undervalued. And so processors that were struggling with the high merino prices were turning to crossbred wools as a cheaper replacement. So since then, the price of crossbred wool in relation to broad merino wools increased. Last week, it finished basically at half the price of 21 micron merino indicator. So even though crossbred prices are at amazing historical levels, and the 28 micron even hit a new record in Melbourne this week, when we're looking at it in relative terms to the 21 micron, crossbreds are still pretty reasonable value, but not really that cheap and not really that expensive. Thank you for that update, Olivia. It's interesting to note that EMI has fallen for the past seven weeks. I remember one of the leaders of the industry last year had commented that there was only one way which wool could go, and that was upwards. Just goes to show that every commodity can go up and it can go down. There is no commodity, I don't think, in the history of human existence, which has actually only gone in one direction. It just goes to show they go up and they go down. You're getting this podcast free of charge. All we'd ask that you do is please retweet this, put it on your Facebook, or even if you feel so inclined, a review on iTunes would be fantastic. Although, make it positive, yeah? I hope you all have a great weekend. I hope the rain falls where it's needed. And I hope we can have a, a good season from here on in.